Bob and Jeremy's Conflab. The Reality Podcast. Good day to you, Bobby. Good day to you, Jeremy. What a lovely day. It is a lovely day, and you've given me the start of how we're going to do this podcast, because we sometimes have a warm-up when we're doing training where we ask people to talk about their favourite T-shirt. <laughs> yes. Now, I'm not suggesting you're wearing your favourite, but I've just seen it, and there's something about your T-shirt that I will be able to tell you that I connect to, which you might find interesting. So, of course, you can't see us. So do you want to tell the listeners what you're wearing? I am wearing the same T-shirt that was worn by Brad Pitt mm. in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is a champion spark plug T-shirt. Yeah. Now, go back to 1981. Mm-hmm. And here I am, holed up in the institution that I'm currently residing at. I'm away from home. It's a Victorian yes. lifestyle. Mm. I'm at a boarding school. And mm. I have a hobby, Bob. Well, I can imagine you did. <laughs> well, and I think we'll, have, we'll devote a separate podcast <laughs> to that for a very, very certain type of listener. And what you're wearing, mm. I was the proud recipient after writing the most polite letter you could imagine to Champion. Mm. Please, could you send me some stickers? I collected stickers from motor cars, motor manufacturing, motorcycles, and I had laden around my area we could say some champion stickers and people were well jealous of me mm. and then another bloke said well i'm going to get ferodo ones because they also are in the same business so it was very interesting to see champion and i think i could actually locate maybe one or two unused stickers that i've hidden away what so you didn't really realize take me back. was that your friends were giving you all those champion stickers because they thought he spent so much time on his own he must be the champion uh, at that particular activity <laughs> at this boarding school. So there we I are. was. I was the champ. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I used to get them off the Milkman, Corona Physical. Oh, I mean, uh, collecting stickers for me was heaven. I had them all over my door. My dad mm. went mad. He came home one day. I just covered the whole wall with them. The long you... winter evenings must have oh, just they did. Died by they me. really yeah. did. This is yeah. pre, pre the arts, I would say. <laughs> Now, today, we're going to talk about sales maxims. Now, some of you are going, I kind of know what a maxim is. Well, it's a short statement expressing a general truth or a rule of conduct, something you can live by, something you can shape your existence by. And Bob and I, having both been salespeople and now working with salespeople, it's an interesting sort of topic to go into quotes, maxims, statements, things that people have said that you can really get behind and live by to some degree. So we've both been away, put together our lists, and we're going to go through them. Yeah, anything to add to our general contextualization there? We've done a, a podcast that the listeners will remember about the film Glengarry Glen Ross, which was based on a play by David Mamet. At the beginning of that play, when you open the printed version, there is a quote on the first page which says, always be closing, and then in italics, practical sales maxim. Oh. So that's the thing. Always be closing is at the beginning of Glengarry Glen Ross, the play. Always be closing. Always be closing. A, B, C. 
<laughs> Wonderful. So that's that's an absolute maxim that when you're selling to someone, you should always be getting them towards the decision that they need to make. Oh, gosh, Bob, we could devote our life to only helping salespeople to close, mm. to actually follow up to a decision, to nudge humans to into the space of yes. So I want to hear your kickoff. Mine aren't in an order. I've just sort of mm -hmm. made notes mm -hmm. as they've come to me. But um, why don't you kick off with a maxim that you like or one that you've cherished? Well, one that I've used for years is not just about sales, it's about success, but it's completely applicable to sales. And this was originally coined by Woody Allen, who, if you look up on the internet, has got thousands of quotes from his films and his uh, writing over the years. But one of them, which has stuck with me and is so true, 80% of success is showing up. Mm. So most people 80? don't bother wow. to show up. Yeah. So if you actually turn up, and I, you know, I'd round that, I'd put things like, you show up on time, looking keen, you're 80% of the way there. Yeah. Because everybody else hasn't bothered to turn up at all or be late or don't look particularly keen. But as long as you show up, you've only got to work with another 20% and, and you're there. That's mm. and, and you're completely successful. And I think that's a very good point. Most people will avoid showing up. Most people will try not to show up. Mm. Some people will do anything than, than turn up looking smart at a, at a meeting. Whereas actually, by doing that, you are so much so much closer to some success. I can think immediately of instances where it's paid off for me. Can you think of anything for you? Oh, so many times. I remember when we first started out in the business, we realized that we were much, much, much more likely to get the job if we went to meet the person. Mm. If we did it on the phone or did conference mm. calls or whatever, it was always less effective. The moment we turned up and went in for a meeting, we tended to get it. Well, I don't, I don't think we closed a sale without face-to-face -face until the pandemic. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. then, then nobody cared. It was just bizarre yeah. because yeah. they looked at us yeah. on Zoom. And here's the twist. We haven't done a single face-to-face -to, -face to win business since. Good God. No, I think you nope, might be right. Not a single on one. It yeah. starts on Zoom. We get yeah. the gig and we meet them yeah. once we've already started. Amazing. Amazing. There you go. Yeah. That's a change, yeah. isn't it? Well, that's a great thing. I do remember getting an immediate promotion by turning up mm. on a catering job. Just came to right. me in Oxford in the holidays. Catering turned up and I was the first person. They went, right. Well, the barman's let me down. It's an extra five pounds an hour. Do you want to go behind the bar? Straight in. So that, was, that, that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because so, I was on time. Yeah. So, so I remember going right. And I was behind the bar at this wedding. That was fantastic. And, and mm. I was on 15 pounds an hour. Oh. in 1994 or something. Well, there you go. Yeah, it was Great. a fortune. It was, yeah, and I was going to be on tenor already. We were working till mm. two in the morning. But anyway. So let's hear one of yours. Well, Zig, mm -hmm. Zig Ziglar. So his maxim, which really held me well at Yellow Pages, is that sales is a transference of feeling. If I mm. can make you feel as excited about the product or service I'm selling as I am, you're going to buy it. Brilliant. And I remember when I had pretty low times at Yellow Pages due to the management, they were mm. going through the FTSE float. They made it all about customer numbers, not about profit. Were that awful stock market period that they went into, yeah. I left through that. I remember sitting down with my mates like Eugene, Andy Christie, Simon Welby, and we just said, look, let's remember that the flipping product's bloody good. We have people who tell us that without Yellow Pages, they wouldn't have a business, that people are looking them up in the directory. And we've just sold yeah. ourselves and motivated ourselves at how good Yellow Pages was. And then we went out and sold. And we sold well, even though we could not stand the, the management. So my second one is similar to that. 
because I think that's entirely true. And the you know this thing about the transference of feeling, people buy emotionally, and then justify logically. That's the same <laughs> is thing. That's isn't it? It? Is that sick or not? No, I just I just found it, and I think it's very true. So you you make an emotional decision to buy something. Yes, I really need this. Oh, how much is it? Well, it's that, and logically, and then you go through the logic in your brain. But I think the thing that makes you want it must be some kind of an emotion, whether it be fear or fear of loss or wanting to have something that you really, you know, desire, mm. whatever it may be. You have an emotional connection to that selection, and then you then have to justify it logically to yourself. So actually, a great example, I was talking about this on a podcast the other day. I buy these guitars uh, if I see them online because they're fantastic quality for the money. So I, I love the sound. I love the fact that you've got a 50-year-old instrument. So there's an emotional connection. And I can justify it logically because somehow I believe I'm saving the world by buying it. You know. Does it also link back to the first decent stereo my wife and I bought? Do you remember that? <laughs> yes. John Lewis. It had blue lights. My Tash, yes. Tash got very excited about it. It said hello when you turned it on. Brilliant. And she emotionally bought it, and then we justified it that we were having a barbecue, we were moving mm. in, you know, mm. really, really good. Well, okay, in that case, another one of yours. Well, I'm going to go. One. I'm going to stick on your theme of emotion. I'm going mm-hmm. down my list. So Brian Tracy, who I absolutely love, North American guy. Mm-hmm. Gosh, he's not as old as Zig was when Zig died, but Brian Tracy's still working. And actually, reading about him recently, he's doing lots of work in countries he never went to during his heyday in the 80s. He's now in the Middle East and places like that. He said every single action that you take is out of emotion, either out of desire Mm. or out of fear. Mm. And Mm. I like that, that you're moving forward because you're going for something, so you're desiring it, Mm. or you're moving backwards because you fear it. So as a salesperson, if somebody Mm. doesn't buy from you, then you weren't able to either make an emotional connection to make them yeah. want it, yeah. or you weren't able to show them the the possible fear factor of not buying it. Of something. not buying it, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah. also, in their minds, they stuck with the incumbent supplier because mm. the fear of the mistake or the fear of change was greater. Love it, love so, it. So their emotion said, well, it's all very well, I've heard you, but I'm sticking here. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, for years, you know, and Brian Tracy would talk about how people say, you know, the number one thing in the 80s was American uh, buyers would say to salespeople, uh, thanks very much, but I play golf with our supplier of flooring, you know. Yeah. And yeah. how would you break that? Well, you have to completely yeah. make them realize that regardless of that, your product's more superior. Get them to have the desire for something better. Yeah, really good. That links to this one, which is very simple. underpromise and over-deliver. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, if you think about that, you underpromise something and you over-deliver, this is what we do all day long when we train people to talk about return on investment. So when we do our proposals, we say, look, we'll we'll give you all this training, and if each of your salespeople sells one additional item, then you're going to get your money back. And, of course, that's under-promising hugely. We would expect them to sell way more than that. But, of course, you then hope that they'll sell 10 times that amount, and then people go, well, this is a no-brainer. So I think that's um, under-promise, over-deliver, is return on investment, but it's also... It's also helping people understand, oh, I didn't know I was getting that. Oh, that's great. I didn't expect that to come with this as well. This is really, really fantastic. And if you're after a long-term relationship, I think that maxim is is really helpful for you. If you dissect that slightly more and you nip off, this isn't on my list, but I'll go to him, Paul Arden, who wrote that wonderful little book. He worked in the advertising industry. And he said, why do people strive for greatness Mm. when mediocrity is all that is required? Absolutely. And you and I both read that book. 
if you are under promising and over delivering, and as you just said, very often the return required is only one, mm. you're highly likely to still do that without some extraordinary change. Yeah, absolutely. If, we, if, you, if you remember when we worked with Nick Moore, who'd been in businesses for years, he said, you know, whatever you're going in with, the business just wants 5%. Mm. Um, he went on about 5% for years. And that isn't stellar, but it's still significant. It is. Okay, lovely. I'm going to go to David Ogilvy next. Yes. One of the joys I had in lockdown was reading every single book he'd written, mm-hmm. including this wonderful blood, sweat and tears thing that he put together, uh, that was put together for him. His first autobiography, his second one, Confessions of an Advertising Man. One of the things that he said, which I absolutely love, and I think you can really sort of dissect it, is he said, if it doesn't sell, it isn't creative. Mm. So he wrote about art, you know, so an artist languishing away in their studio, it will only sell, you know, that artist only makes a living in sales if it's creative, they're creative, the whole thing is creative. I think even if you're selling something fairly mundane to somebody, if it seems more creative than it is, it's a creative idea, it's a creative innovation, it's a creative product, it will sell. And I think lots of people are not creative enough. They don't get excited or inspirational about what they're selling. And so therefore, you may think you have a piece of art, but if the art isn't very good, and you and I often joke in restaurants, we mark art. We go A, (laughs) B, D. Not just in restaurants. Well, not anywhere. In in conference rooms, people's conference rooms, and in hotels. Why do they pay for this stuff? It's unbelievable, really. Really shocking. Mm. We think, well, the price of that isn't that high because it's just not creative. So there you go, Ogilvy. Now, I've got one other for you, which is Oscar Wilde, actually. And this is slightly cynical, but I quite like it. And he once said, experience is merely the name that men give to their mistakes. Oh, wonderful, 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 wonderful. If you think about that, that's genius, isn't it? Experience is merely the name men give to their mistakes. So imagine you sit down at an interview and they say, well, why do you think you're suitable for this job? They say, well, I've got years of experience of boom, 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 boom. And then what you should do is say, okay, so within all that experience, what were your biggest mistakes? Yeah, it's so good. Imagine what you go, well, I haven't really made many mistakes. Well, come on. Experience is merely the name that you give to your mistakes. So. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to raise you 50 with my own favorite Oscar that, again, isn't mm. on my list. And this, to me, is just his brilliant observation of the human race. He says, the tragedy of every woman is that they eventually become their mother. The tragedy for every man is that they don't. Yeah, yeah. That's so good because sexist men think of women turning into their mothers with all the wrong Mm, features. mm. But your mother has qualities that are so good that if a man possessed enough of them, he'd be a better man. So it's just such a good point. It is, it is. Now, there are many, many sales maxims and business maxims out there. And, you know, if you search online, you can find these big posters of inspirational pictures like mountains and uh, valleys and animals. Oh, God, and they were popular. Like People bought with, them. Yellow yes. pages had them in the offices. Yeah. And, I, and I, I think that's nice to have these quotes, but I think very often they're just left on a wall and nobody really refers to them. And I think sometimes we need to put things... Uh, on our computers or on our screens or in our cars or something which just gives Mm. us that little bit of inspiration when we're going out to do business. Because some of those things we do forget. You know, if you've got somebody who is struggling to see the value of what you're selling, maybe you haven't connected 
with the emotion of this thing that they are considering enough. Mm, mm. If you've got someone who is, I'm, I'm not sure, have you made it clear that you're under-promising and are actually capable of over-delivering? If you are thinking about this idea of, you know, being there, showing up, are you somebody who is generally late? Are you somebody who struggles mm. to get to places, to look the part, to, you know, to be organised enough to just to turn up somewhere on time? If you just got yourself organised for a week and look at the difference it, it makes... I think then you would constantly make that change. You know, it's something you can just go for. I can finish, if you like, on a bit of Ken Blanchard action, who's just mm-hmm. had his, God, what is he, 83rd birthday or something? He goes on about ego problems of salespeople and ego problems of people. Mm. And he says the mistake people make is they think the brash person is the only person with the ego problem. The person who's shy, quiet, doesn't talk enough, they've got an ego problem. Mm. Yeah. You know, they're reserved. That's an ego problem. Why are you, why are you thinking good. about yourself all the time and worried about yourself and worried about what people think? God, you're obsessed with yourself, except you're not as loud as Fred over there, who clearly everyone thinks has an ego problem. Your ego problem is just as bad. Yes. Yeah. He talks about the ego problems. And what he says about humility, which I absolutely love, is someone with humility doesn't think any less of themselves. They just think about themselves less. Very good. Which Very is just good. superb. Very good. But again, Very that's about good. sales is you're there to help people with your products and services. You've got to think less of yourself and more of them and their business. Be more mm. curious, be more interested in them. You know, all the salespeople who just talk and talk and using, as Elma Wheeler said, expressions that are shiny in the seat or have grown whiskers, they're not going to do as well as the, uh, you know, maybe the more humble salesperson. So I was just thinking about these sales maxims and going back to the Glengarry Glen Ross example of always be closing. Mm. Well, our company, we have a a three word sales maxim as well. Results through inspiration. That's been on all of our logos and all of our websites and all of our, um, you know, notes, note papers and all that sort of thing for years. Results through inspiration. Mm. And I, I'm now we're having that conversation. I mean, it's how many years has it been since I've really looked at that quote and thought, well, actually, that emotional connection, under-promising, turning up on time, you know, it d- doesn't make that much difference, but it's that's the inspirational bit, I think, yeah. that helps people think, aha, I can improve my results. And if you look at our work with leaders, I would say primarily we're trying to make them more inspiring. Yes. Because they don't give their presenting skills are not as good. They don't give no. compelling meetings. Their coaching no. isn't inspiring. You know, they might be administrators, mm, yeah, but not enough leaders are inspiring to get the behavioral change in their people. So the results come in through that line of inspiration. Fantastic. So when you do a review, which we'd love one, we'd love to see a few more sales maxims in the reviews of what your favorite one is and which one you yes. Yes. That would give us a nice little collection of things to read if you haven't reviewed us please do so Mm, so we've just spent about 20 minutes with you or so today thanks for tuning in and we'll have another one soon cheers bobby cheers bob and jeremy's conflab the reality podcast 